All right, now today is Legacy Sunday, and we've been talking about legacy for about six weeks now. We've, we've kind of told you it was coming, and at the end of the service, we're going to worship God with a, an offering that all of today's offering goes toward legacy, and we're going to use that to make a difference around the world. But listen, even if you don't give anything today, can I just tell you, as a church, you've already done a lot. You've already done a lot. You saw it on the video, and that video is, it's like old already because we've got updated numbers since we created the video. This year alone, from January until the, until the end of November, you've given $137,000 outside of the walls of the church to make a difference, to change lives. Come on, let's give God thanks for that today. That's awesome. It's pretty awesome, and, and uh, one of our values here at City Hope has been extravagant generosity. And that just means that we're going to do whatever it takes. We're just going to be generous people. We're not, we're not going to hold it back. We're not going to hoard it for ourselves. We're just going to live as a church extravagantly generous. And it's my job to kind of lead you in that way. All right. It's to kind of show you how that we can do that, teach you how that we can do that. And so I want to show you what God calls us to do. In, in Matthew chapter five, it says that God God calls us to let our light shine. Let, let your light shine. Not your neighbor's light. Not somebody down the street. Your light shine. Well, who am I supposed to shine it for, Pastor Ben? Others. And now you're not supposed to rub it in. You're not supposed to act like you got it all together. But you're supposed to let your light shine before other people. Why? So that they would see your good deeds. They would see the things that you're doing. That they would see, oh man, I want... I don't know, you know, I've, I've always thought those Christians were kind of crazy, but that church over there, man, they, they really mean what they say. They're really making a difference. They're really using their resources to bless other people. And so we let our light shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All right, so where am I supposed to let it shine, Pastor Ben? Under a bushel? No. Y'all like that, didn't you? Because, you know, when you're singing the song, you're supposed to say, hide it under a bushel. No. Like, yell it, right? No. Let your light shine before others. Let them see what God has done. So we let it shine so that they could come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's the reason we do it. That's why Jesus calls us to do it. And so we decided early on as a church, when we started City Hope, that we wanted to be intentional with our generosity. We just wanted to use it in a way that would... Point people to Jesus. And so we identified five ways that we would let our light shine. Five ways, and we call it legacy lanes. That's what we call it. They're legacy lanes. And three of those lanes come straight from the very last words that Jesus ever spoke before he ascended to heaven. All right? It's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. These are Jesus' last words. His last words weren't, watch this. Okay, I thought that was going to get a laugh there. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's only in Alabama. Uh, it's watch this, but in Alabama, it's, hey, watch this. All right. They say that's the redneck's last words. Watch this. Okay. Those weren't Jesus' last words. He said, you will be my, everybody say it, witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. Now, in a courtroom, you've got, you've got witnesses. You've got a judge. You've got a prosecutor. You've got defenders. And God didn't say, hey, hey, I want you to be my judge, and I want you to condemn everybody who does wrong. He didn't say, I want you to be my prosecutor and accuse people of every time that they make a mistake. He didn't say, I want you to be my defender and get defensive every time somebody speaks ill about me. 
He didn't even say that. He just said, I want you to be my witnesses. I want, what is a witness? It's a person who tells their account of the story. It's a person who tells their side of it. And he says, I want you to tell people what I've done in your life. And as you tell people about what I've done in you, it's going to give them hope that if I did it for you, I can do it for them. So he says, you're going to be my witnesses in three areas. And these first three areas are the first three parts of our legacy lanes. You're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's Wichita Falls. That's your city, wherever you're from, Burke, Iowa Park, Henrietta Holiday, wherever you're at, it's, it's Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria, that's, that's the nation. For us, it's America. And then all the way to the ends of the earth. I want you to be witnesses. I want you to tell what God has done in your life. And so the way we describe that, our five lanes are local missions, national missions, international missions. And then we have two down here that are really important to us. They're, they're kind of focused on what's going on here at City Hope, and that is Leadership Academy. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. And City Hope Church. Like, like what's going on inside of the walls here? The, the projects that we have to accomplish that we can't accomplish inside of an operational budget. And so I want to take a few minutes and kind of go down this list today and show you the different lanes, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And then I want to give you some principles about, about how to live a blessed life, all right? So here we go. Number one is this. Let's talk about local missions and how you've given $48,000 locally to the glory of God. Lives are being changed. Hurting people are being healed. They're being helped. There's hope that's happening because of your generosity. You're making that happen. You're making that happen. It's the outreaches that happen at Sputter Park every first Saturday. It's the, it's the, the, the shelter that we did in February when, when everything was frozen. It was a tundra here. It was... It was all, all of the people that we've helped and, and the, the benevolence and the families that have, they've taken steps towards Jesus because of your generosity. Now, I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I'm, when I'm with the weak, when I'm with those who are down and out, I, I share their weakness. He says, I, I'm, when I'm with the weak, I don't just say, well, get a job, it'll get better for you. Mm-mm. When I'm with the weak, I don't just tell them they need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. But when I'm with the weak, I share their weakness, Paul says. Why? Because I want to bring them to Christ. I want to help the weak have a personal relationship with Jesus. He says, I'm, I'm trying to find common ground with everyone. Why? So that I can save some and help them know Jesus. And that's why we do what we do. And so when you do acts of kindness, when you serve, when you're out making it, when you're using your gifts, when you're being generous, when you're buying someone's lunch or their dinner, when when you're doing something generous to somebody, listen, we've got to make sure that the generosity is connected to the love of God. Because social justice without spiritual justice isn't justice. It's not justice. So what I'm saying is when we do an act of kindness, we got to give them Jesus too. When we do something for the lost and the broken and the vulnerable and the hurting, we got to give them Jesus too. So when you go out to eat today and you leave a tip for the server, don't just do it because the food industry's been down and, and it's been a hard year for them and, and they're understaffed and you feel sorry for them. No, do it in the name of Jesus. When you help the widow down the street, don't just do it because, you know, she's, her husband just died. She needs a little help here. No, no, no. Do it in the name of Jesus. 
When you're, when, when you're buying groceries for the single mom who's, who, who lost her job, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it to point people toward Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways that you can do that is through our God Loves You cards. On your way out today, there's a, there's a stand that you, you pass by it every week on your way out. I would love for you to just grab a handful of those. We print them by the thousands, so we've got plenty. Might need to order some more, just let me know. But we, we have those for you to take with you to just be a blessing. And in the name of Jesus, give somebody hope. Amen? Amen. So here's what we say. We say that we serve the practical needs of people in our cities so that, here's the why, so that they would open their hearts to God. Everything we do is to point people to Jesus, okay? And so this, we, we're, this is happening through all of the different, the different places that we support. So today's offering is going to help accelerate some, some ministries, some agencies, some, some people that are doing good work in Wichita Falls. They're going to get a Christmas blessing this week to accelerate what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what we're doing locally at the end. But number two is national missions. And, and this is church planting. This is church revitalization, resourcing pastors, uh, working with staff. This is disaster relief that, we've, that we, we, we've helped with across the nation. This is what we did in Houma, Louisiana back several months ago. And you've given almost $50,000 outside of the walls of the church to make a difference for God's glory. So here's, here's, here's what... Um, we, we've got to remember. I love, I love the heart of Paul. Is that The reason we give to national missions is so we can strengthen churches. This is written about Paul. It says that the churches were strengthened and they grew in the faith daily. They grew in numbers daily. And I believe that healthy things should grow. I think churches should grow. If, if, if we have an attitude that, yeah, I, I just don't think churches should grow... What's the point? We're, like, we're trying to populate heaven, right? Why do we gather together if churches aren't supposed to? Like healthy things grow. Churches, healthy churches should grow. And so I, I want to brag on you guys this year because City Hope has grown this year. I, I don't know if you know it or not, but it has grown exponentially. Not many churches are in the position we're in right now. In fact, um, we've grown by 60% from January to November. In numbers. In January, there were 484 people on average in the month of January. In November, there were 808 people walking through the doors on average. Come on, that is incredible. God's working, God's moving, and He's changing lives. Lives are being changed. And so we have fallen in love with church planting. Not, not just Annalise and I, but City Hope has fallen in love with church planting. We are all about strengthening churches, planting churches. And this year, because of your generosity, we've helped plant 62 churches in America, two other churches globally. On launch day, the first day, 15,000 people came to those services and 500 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ on the very first Sunday. By the way, here at City Hope, what God has done here is that 167 people have come to know Jesus Christ this year, documented salvations, documented salvations. So we're, we're, what, what, what are we trying to do? Here's what we're trying to do. We're, we're investing in new churches and we're strengthening existing churches so that they can reach the world. That's what we're doing. We're try, we can't reach the world by ourselves. 
But when we partner and when we support, listen, a healthy church is the hope of the world. When we partner, when we help plant churches, it makes a difference. And so we're excited about church planting, but we're really excited for 2022 because some of our best friends in the world, Tom and Deborah Watson, are planting a brand new church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. At the end of this month, they're moving to Chattanooga and they'll launch Five Stones Church in September. And, and part, of, part of this is, you don't, you don't even know this, but Annalise and I coach church planters all the time. Like we, we're regularly coaching. We're actually coaching someone this week. This past week, I had lunch with another church in town who's learning from us, trying to, trying to grow, trying to learn. And so we're coaching other churches all the time. And so Pastor Tom and Deborah. You may know them because he's spoken here many times. They're planting Five Stones Church. And that's, it's personal to us. Not just because of them, but also because we're not just supporting them financially. We're sending the best we have to offer. We're sending the best people that we have to help them launch Five Stones Church. We're sending Jason and Ariel Moody to Chattanooga, Tennessee to help us la- help launch Five Stones Church. They're going to be moving after the first of the year, but I want you to take a look at this story real quick. If God's calling you, we couldn't say no. You can't say no. And it's just, that's how we're going to live our life. Like we kind of moved out here with no jobs, no, no home. Um, Ariel was seven months pregnant when we moved out here. We did startup parties, helped with that. And and then launch day was just, it was phenomenal. It was like, so emotional yeah. that day. When people were showing up, it was just like, yeah, this is legit. Like, I'm glad we made that move. God just showed up in such a powerful way, and he's continuing to. Yeah, like, God is just moving, is and moving. and it's not us. Like, we just we just took that step and just, like, work with us, you know, or move us, you know, mold us to what you need us to be. And, you know what, City Hope will always be in us, no matter where we go. So we got to be the start of City Hope, and City Hope's going to be the start of us. But we, we told ourselves we're not leaving until God called us out of here just like He called us here. So like we just started praying about it, and we told Ben and Annalise first um, just to see. We wanted to make sure clarity that it was not flesh and it was truly God. And uh, they were just like instantly, like emotions hit, but instantly like, yeah, God is calling. And they knew, yeah. And they knew. And uh, so then we were just like, okay. like It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> we don't know what we're moving into, but God's calling us and, mm-hmm. you know, it's in His hands. So I just think like personally from seeing uh, City Hope starting from nothing to what it is now mm-hmm. and seeing hurt people getting healed, mm-hmm. like getting that relationship with God mm-hmm. and that true relationship. It's not about religion or anything. It's just like what I've learned is like it's a relationship you have with God and with people. You know, these churches just giving this love that God has to all these people. Life-giving churches. Life-giving yeah. churches. So, cool. so and that we get to be part of, you know, two now and now all the ones that we've blessed through City Hope and we're going to bless through Five Stones and we're part of that. So We love you, City Hope. Yeah, we love you, City Hope. And hey, Chattanooga, Five Stones, we're coming for you. <laughs>
We love you too. We love you too. And, um, you know, we want to, I don't know if you heard it or not, when they moved here, uh, man, they were, they took a chance. I mean, they took a chance on any of you showing up, right? <laughs> like the, the, anybody would even show up on the first day and they, they came without jobs. They came without, out of house. <laughs> you came without a lot of things. And so um, when you leave, we don't want you to leave that way. And so we're committed that today's offering, part of today's offering is we're going to bless the Moody's in their next journey so that we can set them up to, to lead a life of impact in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Come on. Don't you think that's worth it? Come on. Let's make a difference. Let's bless you guys. I love it. And um, I, the, the, they said in the video, well, you know, they knew, Pastor Ben and Annalise knew, well, it was only because the Lord kind of let me in on it. I was weeding in my flower bed one day at home, just pulling weeds not thinking about anything, and just all of a sudden, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord say, don't be surprised if Jason and Ariel move to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was like, okay. Just kept it in my heart. And then several weeks later, after I came back from Birmingham, Alabama for a conference, I, I talked to Jason and I said, hey, I, just, I don't know if this is in your heart or not, but if it is, we're with you. We're for you. And they're, 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 they're not only called from something. They're, they're not only called to something in Chattanooga, but they're also being released now to be able to go in the power and the grace that God has for them. And there's nothing like that, knowing that there's a church behind you and there's friends behind you and there's a place that you'll always remember and will we'll always have. So we love you guys. We, on, we honor you today and we thank you for your sacrifice. We love you. So uh, national, uh, local missions, national missions. The third area is um, third area is international missions. So this is, what, what you've done is $40,000 that you've given outside of the walls of the church internationally. This is what's going on in Cuba and Israel and uh, what we did earlier in Pakistan and Afghanistan in, in international missions this year. I just read a, a report recently from our partners in Cuba that over 17,000 people have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ in Cuba this year. Come on, it's... It's amazing to see what's going on. All three of those areas are, are, are facing severe food shortages. And it's all, if it's food, it's food and Jesus. If it's resources, it's resources and Jesus. If, if it's planting a church, it's all in Jesus' name. So that people would come to know Jesus. And we do it, we focus on strategic missions. So we don't give a little bit to a lot of people. We give a lot to a few people. Because we want to accelerate what they're doing so that every person in the world has the opportunity to hear the good news. It's why we're translating the Bible in a part of Asia that's going to, when it's available, will be a Bible that, that is read by more than 2.4 million people. And, and you're helping make that happen. And, and here's the thing. When we started, we knew that we wanted to focus on the area that, would, that we could see the greatest impact. And for us, that area is called the 1040 window. And I don't know if you've heard about this before, but it's this red window right here. Uh, the equator is, oops, the equator is right down here. And then uh, this is 10 degree line. This is 40 degree, 10 degree latitude, 40 degree latitude. This part of the world is one of the most populated areas on the planet. It's also where 97% of the population do not believe in Jesus Christ. Only 3% of the population, or only 3% of the missions dollars goes to support ministry here. Only 1% of the missionaries go to do ministry here. 
And by the way, it's where 100% of the world's terrorism originates, is right here. Don't you think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good game plan to make a difference here, where 97% of the people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's why we, that's why we give to Israel and, and, and Afghanistan. That's why we've given to Pakistan and, and Uganda over the years. We're trying to make a difference because Jesus said in Mark 5, 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody you can. Preach the gospel to everybody you can. So we're going to give locally, nationally, internationally. We're also going to give to the Leadership Academy. And this, this is that we're trying to raise up leaders. Look, if we have all of the vision in the world, if we have all of the resources in the world, but we don't have people to accomplish the vision, then we don't have anything. Jesus said it this way. He said, you don't have a harvest problem. You've got a worker problem. The, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people that need to be saved. There are thousands of people in Wichita Falls. You have neighbors and co-workers that need Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, talk to the Lord, pray to God, and ask him to send workers to the harvest field. And so what we decided is we're not just going to pray about workers, we're going to help develop workers. We're going to do something about it. God, we need them, but Lord, use us we want to develop workers. We want to send workers. We want to send people to the harvest field. And the way we do that is through the leadership academy. It's not the only way we develop leaders. It's a way. And, and if you're interested in that, you would need to know that we train students who are called to ministry. They feel called to lead in the local church so that they can fulfill the Great Commission, so that people can come to know Jesus. And so we're doing a preview night on January 18th, if you're interested in that. There'll be a sign up on the Church Center app where you can, you can sign up for that. That's the first night of our spring class semester. And it's a two-year ministry training academy. That's what it is, two-year ministry training academy. And we're just trying to get people into the harvest field, to get workers to the harvest field. Amen? All right. So here's number five, and it's City Hope Church. It's, it's the projects that we have. It's things that we want to accomplish, but... We don't, have, we don't have the flexibility maybe in our normal operational budget. And so um, this is things like launching a Burke Burnett campus, by the way. It's, it's like purchasing a building or remodeling or things like that. And so here's what we do. We, we realize that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. But Jesus didn't say he was going to build a church building. He said he was going to build his church. Now, what, what, is, what is church? Church is ecclesia. It's you and me. And Jesus said, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a group of people who have been called out of darkness and into marvelous light so that they can do the work of the ministry and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome the church. So I want to remind you that the church is not this building. The church is you and I. We are the church and we are here for the people who are not here yet. We're here for the people who haven't walked through the doors just yet. Amen? And so I want you to remember that. We're, we're the church. So this building is not the church. This building is not even the end goal. It's a means to an end. This facility facilitates ministry. That's what it does. It helps us do the ministry that God has called us to do. And so I'm, 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 I'm honored to be able to announce to you today that with the guidance of the overseers, the trustees, we've signed a contract 
to purchase this building for $2.6 million, which is $636,000 below the tax appraised value. And so if we were to build this building today, if we were to go out and buy land, which would cost us millions of dollars to buy land, if we were to do that, if we were to rebuild this exact building, it would cost us about $10 million in today's economy. And we're, be, we're, we're able to get into this for $2.6 million. And what is that going to do? It's just going to be a facility that facilitates ministry. It's not the end. It's, it's the, a means to an end. Amen? Amen. And so part of today's offering is going to help it's going to help with down payments and fees and loan doc fees and origination fees and remodel and launching a Burke a Birch, a Birch campus. It's going, to, it's going to be used for that, but here's why we do it, because we build life-giving local churches. God's calling us to reach Texoma. That means that we're probably going to build more than one church. We're going to launch campuses and other locations across Texoma so that people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's why we do it. So, Pastor Ben, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Why, why are we doing all of this? Why, why are you so excited? Why do we do the legacy offering? And it, it, I think we do it because there's a tension. It's a tension to manage. There's this tension that, well, we've got a building now. We can kick back. And we, we can take a chill pill. Man, we got all of this going for us. Look what the Lord has done. We, the pressure's off. We're not portable anymore. Come on, we can just sit back. There's this tension to play it safe. But how many of you know there's a reality of people out there who are still screaming and calling for help? They're still calling. There are vulnerable people. There's marginalized. They're broken. They're lost. They're hurting. They're hungry. They're addicted. And they're crying out for somebody to hear them. And so that's why we do what we do, so that we can make a difference, so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. And I want to close today by just... I want to give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of principles. This is decisions that we have to make as believers, okay? Not, not, not just about this offering today. It's not about that. If we're believers, if we're Christians, these are some pr principles that we need to buy into, principles that we need, to, we need to live by. And number one is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Bottom line, we're blessed. God gives us resources so that we will be a blessing to the world around us. The word blessed simply means more than enough. Anybody here today would say, I've got more than enough. I've got, I have, I have more than enough. God's given me more, more than I need, and he's calling me to use it in a way that benefits, that blesses, that, that helps somebody else. So I've been blessed, but a lot of times we wonder, God, did you give me more so I could have a bigger house? I mean, did, did you give me more so that I could have that new car? Did you give me more so that I could have a better Christmas this year? So what we've got to figure out is what's the more for? What, we need to know what is the more for. God, when you bless us, why do you bless us? What is it for? Why did you give it to us? And, and we can see it here in Genesis chapter 12 when, when God tells Abraham, I'm simply blessing you and you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So, number one, I'm blessed so that I can use it to make a difference with other people. Number two, God blesses us more when we bless others. All right? That's a, that's a truth. It's not a, pros, a modern-day prosperity gospel. It's not a give-to-get theology. It is a practical biblical truth that 
God blesses those who bless other people. Because what, what happens is he looks down and he sees a group of people in Wichita Falls and he says, hey, those are some people I can funnel some resources into. There's a group of people that are a conduit. They're not just going to hoard it up. They're not just going to hold on to it, but they're going to let it go. They're going to give it to somebody else. And, and so here's the thing. There's nothing that God wouldn't do for a person who helps other people. There's almost nothing he won't do for you. How do you know, Pastor Ben? Because Jesus said that I guarantee you this. Anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will certainly receive many times more. Well, time out, Ben. That's talking about heaven. No, in this life. He's going to reward you in this life and bonus in the life to come. So he, he will bless us as we bless other people. Number three is this. We've got to know and buy into this truth that the more God blesses us, the more he expects from us. Mm. Need that Hammond B3 going. It's an organ for those of you who don't know. The, the more God blesses us, the more he expects from us. Um, why is that, Pastor Man? Why does he expect more from us? Well, the Bible says in Luke chapter 14, or chapter 12, much is required from those to whom much is given. For their responsibility is greater. God's blessed us, not so that we hold on to it. He's given us more because we have more responsibility. Let me show it to you in, in the Jewish tradition of the firstborn. I, I've always known that the firstborn, I've known for years that he, the firstborn son, received a double portion. I just didn't know why. So I discovered this week that in Jewish tradition, in the Bible, you would, you'll read it in the one-year Bible, that they would always give the firstborn son 50% of the father's inheritance. How many, how many firstborn uh, sons we got in the house today? Firstborn? Come on, y'all like, where my inheritance at? Like, come on, where's it at? I'm, I'm ready. Give me that 50%. Give me that 50. I'm ready. Okay. Well, now, it's not, it's not like that. Okay. I know we're thinking like, man, 50%, all the rest of the kids have to split the inheritance. So if you got 10 kids then the oldest gets 50%, the rest of them have to share the 90. What's, what's up with that? How's that fair, right? Well, here, here's why. Let me show you why the firstborn gets 50% of the inheritance. Deuteronomy 21, the father, he must acknowledge the son as the firstborn by giving him a double share of all that he has. Here's why. Because that son is the first sign of the father's strength. What does that mean? Okay, when the father died, it now became the firstborn son's responsibility to take care of everybody else. It's his responsibility to take care of everybody. He's the father's strength. And, and it says that the right of the firstborn belongs to him. And this is not a great use of the word. It should be that the responsibility of the firstborn belongs to him. That, that the fact that you've got to take care of everybody else when I'm gone is on you now. Another word that you could use here instead of right is judgment. That it has been judged that you are now responsible in the event something ever happens to me. You've got to take care of the rest. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, thank God that's the Old Testament, you know. It's not like that anymore. Oh, but wait. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, it says that you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've come to the church of the firstborn. Now, this is not talking about Jesus. Because the firstborn are the ones whose names are written in heaven. Whose names are written in heaven? Us. So God calls us the firstborn. He calls us the firstborn and he says, you have a responsibility upon your shoulders now. Why does God call us the firstborn? Because the father's not here. And he left an inheritance with us to take care of the rest of his people. Isn't that good? (laughs) He left an inheritance for us. Ephesians calls it a glorious inheritance. He left it for us so that we would care for the needs of the people around us, so that we would care for the people that are broken and downtrodden. He's given us a bigger chunk. He loves everybody, by the way, but he gives his church more resources because there's an expectation that they will be his strength to everybody around them. And here, I want to close with this statement. If you're taking notes, just jot this down, that being blessed doesn't give us more rights. Actually, it gives us more responsibilities. Gives us more responsibilities. I told you that I would share a little bit about what we're doing locally. And so I wanted to tell you that every year we like to have a lead gift with Legacy. We like to, we like to kind of pre-spend. Before the, before the offering even takes place, we do kind of like a seed offering to another place locally. And this year we chose an organization called The Center. You may have heard of it before. It's over on Seymour Highway. And they work with, it's a teen pregnancy resource center. Not just teens, but women of any age. It's a resource center for for pregnancy. They do abortion education. Here's what that means. People would call and they'd say, hey, we're considering having an abortion. And they would get them to come into the clinic where they have a sonogram machine. And they would consult them and counsel them. And if they could get the the individual, if they could get the lady to have a sonogram, they know that she's more likely to keep the baby. And they counsel and they coach her through this process. And every year they serve about 400 ladies. Average age, 18 to 25 years old. Their youngest client was 11. And after the sonogram, she kept the baby. so this year we decided we didn't want to just help change lives but we needed to do something to help save lives we need to do something that helps preserve life and so they have a sonogram machine that they have to pay a yearly service fee in order to keep it in operation And so this year on Friday I dropped by on your behalf with a check for five thousand dollars to make sure that 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 sonogram machine is able to be used without fear of it breaking or being unserviceable or anything like that. We did that on your behalf because we don't want to just change lives. We want to save some lives. And that's personal to me. It's personal to me because when I was 13, My dad had been dead for about six years and my mom was remarried at this point and 
I was moping around the house one day and I was just like, man, I miss dad. Mom, when I get to heaven, first person I want to see is dad. What about you? Mom, when you get to heaven, who do you want to see? Before anybody else, who do you want to see, mom? Don't you want to see dad? And she said no, which kind of hurt my feelings, right? Because it was my dad. She said, no, I don't. There's some other people I want to see. And I thought, who, who is it? You know, like, is it, is it your sister? She had a sister that died a tragic death as a teenager. No, it's not my sister. Is it your dad? No, it's not my dad. Well, who is it? Finally, she took me out on the back porch, the back patio. And uh, she said, I don't want to see your dad first because when I was a kid, when I was a young girl, I made some decisions and I had two abortions. And before I see your dad, I want to see those little babies. I said, well, was it, was it a boy or a girl? I didn't know. She said, I don't know. But those are the first people I want to see when I get to heaven. As we talk about saving lives, I think about what if my mom could have had an opportunity like that to save her from the heartache and the pain and the trauma that she dealt with for years, that she was healed from eventually. So we want to save some lives. Amen? Amen. Hey, would you bow your heads with me today? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just right where you are. We've talked about letting our light shine. We've talked about we, we've, we've talked about the legacy lanes. We've talked about being a blessing. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a blessing in a moment. But maybe today, maybe today you don't need to shine a light. Maybe the light of heaven needs to shine on you. Maybe for you right now, maybe, maybe what it is for you is that you're like my mom who was full of guilt and shame and condemnation. She had carried... The, the trauma of those decisions, her, her adult life, she eventually got healed from it. But maybe today you're carrying that guilt and that shame and that condemnation from choices that you've made from your past. The presence of God is here today. Jesus Christ is here today and he wants to, he wants to save you. He wants to restore you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to give you a fresh start and he wants to bring new life to you. If you're here today and you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're ready to go all in with Jesus to make him your Lord and Savior. On the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand all across this place. One, two. Anybody else say, that's me? Anybody else? That's me, Pastor Ben. Three, four. Who else would say, that's me? I'm ready to go all in with Jesus. Anybody else? I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'm, I'm proud of you. There's no condemnation. No guilt. Thank you. Hey, let's say this prayer together today. Say, Jesus... I give you my life. I turn from my sin. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. Will you be my Lord and Savior? From this day forward, I confess you as my Lord. And I will live for you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's thank God for life change.